0: Hello, my name is Matt, and welcome to the very first preview of Sleepy Time Stories, a daddy daughter podcast. I'm just going to take a moment to explain our purpose here, what we're doing, what we're not doing, and introduce you to uh, where the idea for Sleepy Time Stories came from. My daughter, Lydia was homesick from school one day and we were reading a lot of stories because her school was doing a readathon. And after a little while she let me know that she was interested in recording these stories. So I thought about that, found a story that I'd enjoyed when I was younger that was in the public domain, and just went ahead and recorded. What we were doing there. So, to let you know, I, this is my first podcast. It is intended to be very informal, just sort of capture the experience of a father and daughter reading together. And while I am going to be doing some edits, I was not recording this with editing in mind nearly so much. So, Don't expect a huge amount of production and do expect a few misreads and candid moments like that. Uh, Also know that we will be protecting our privacy mainly because my daughter's young and I don't want this turning up uh, on the internet years and years later and embarrassing her. So. If you want to hear a father and a daughter reading a bedtime story together, then welcome. Let's tune in and drift off together. Pleasant dreams. All right, I'm Matt. I'm Betty and we are going to be reading a story today it's an older story by one of the Inklings a friend of Tolkien and C.S. Lewis Those are funny names. They are actually yeah J.R.R. R. Tolkien wrote The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and C.S. Lewis wrote The Chronicles of Narnia and a lot of other books. I didn't know that. Yeah yeah they were and they were friends. And one of their friends was George MacDonald, and he wrote stories too. He wrote a story, actually wrote a pretty good book about Lilith, who was supposed to be um, Adam's first wife before Eve. That's stories we can go into some other time. Today we're reading *The Princess and the Goblins* by George MacDonald. Is it goblin or goblins? Goblin, actually. Okay. I thought it was that you, you knew it, knew better than me, Chapter one. One, 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 one Why the Princess has a story about her Makes Why sense do <laughs> There was once a little princess whose father was king over a great country full of mountains and valleys. His palace was built upon one of the mountains, and it and was very grand and beautiful. The princess. it? It doesn't say. Well, I think it was maybe Mount Everest. That's a good guess. Okay, that I like that idea. This puts that puts it in Tibet or someplace like that. Hmm. The princess whose name was Irene was born there. And she was sent soon after her birth because her mother was not very strong to be brought up by country people in a large house. Half castle, half farmhouse, on the side of another mountain, about halfway between its base and its peak. How does that even work? What do you mean? How does, like, um, how is it, like, a castle, a farm, on a mountain? Oh, you know, mountain farms are kind of tricky, but maybe they're raising cattle there? Because cattle can graze on mountain sides, and you'll have some flat spots maybe mountain goats. Okay, good point. Mountain goats would be perfect. The princess was a sweet little creature, and at the time my story begins, was about eight years old, I think. But she got older very fast. Her face was fair and pretty, with eyes like two bits of night sky, each with a star dissolved in in the blue. Those eyes, you would have thought, must have known they came from there. So often they were turned up in that direction. The ceiling of her nursery was blue, with stars in it, as like the sky as they could make it. But I doubt if ever she saw the real sky with stars in it, for a reason which I had better mention at once. These mountains were full of hollow places underneath. Huge caverns. Bless you. And winding ways, some with water running through them and some shining with all the colors of the rainbow when a light was taken in. There would not have been much known about them had there not been mines there, great deep pits with long galleries and passages running off from them, which had been dug to get at the ore of which the mountains were full. In the course of digging, the miners came upon many of these natural caverns. Let me see. No pictures so far. A few of them had far off openings out on the side of the mountain or into a ravine. Now in these subterranean caverns lived a strange race of beings, called by some gnomes, by some kobolds, by some goblins. There was a legend current in the country that at one time they lived above ground and were very like other people. But for some reason or other, concerning which there were different legendary theories, the king had laid what they thought too severe taxes upon them, or had required observances of them they did not like, or had begun to treat them with more severity in some way or other, and imposed stricter laws, and the consequence was that they had all disappeared from the face of the country. According to legend, however, instead of going to to some other country, they had all taken refuge in the subterranean caverns, whence they never came out of, but at night, and then seldom showed themselves in any numbers, and never to many people at once. It was only in the least frequented and most difficult parts Of the mountains that they were said to gather even at night in the open air those who had caught sight of them said that they had greatly altered in the course of generations and no wonder seeing how they lived away from the sun in cold and wet and dark places they were now not ordinarily ugly but either absolutely hideous or ludicrously grotesque both in face and form there was no invention they said of the most lawless imagination expressed by pen or, b- or pencil that could surpass the extravagance of their appearance, but I suspect those who said so had mistaken some of their goblin companions for the goblins themselves of which more by and by the goblins themselves were not so far removed from the human as such a description would imply. What do you mean? They're not so different from humans that you might, as you might think. Kind of like the goblin shark. (laughs) Yeah! Goblin sharks are very different than humans, though. They live in a very different place and their shape is different and their teeth are different. Yeah, and they can actually do something that humans can't with their mouths. Tell me about that. Um, they can, like, well, I can't remember what it's called, but mm-hmm. they can like um, they can make their mouth very big. Yeah, and it shoots out, doesn't it? Their teeth shoot out of their mouth and grab things and then come back in. Yeah, it's so weird. You've never seen Alien before, but yeah, you'll see that someday. And it's so weird because it's like a science fiction creature, but in the real world, just on the bottom of the ocean. Okay, and can we get back to the story now? I better, yeah. Okay, I'll back up a little bit. But I suspect those who said so had mistaken some of the animal companions for the goblins themselves. The the goblins themselves were not so far removed from the human as such a description would imply. And as they grew misshapen in body, they had grown in knowledge and cleverness and now were able to do things no mortal could see the possibility of, but as they grew in cunning, they grew in mischief. And their great delight was in every way they could think of to annoy the people who lived in the open-air story above them. They had enough of affection left for each other to preserve them from being absolutely cruel for cruelty's sake to those who came in their way. But still, they so heartily cherished the ancestral grudge against those who occupied their former possessions, and especially against the descendants of the king who had caused their expulsion. What does descendants mean? The children that came after. Like children and grandchildren okay. of, the, of that king and his people. Okay, now I get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. the king who had caused their expulsion, that they sought every opportunity of tormenting them in ways that were as odd as their inventors. And although dwarfed and misshapen, they had strength equal to their cunning. (laughs) Dwarfs are funny. Mm -hmm. Fantasy dwarfs are for sure. What does fantasy mean? Fantasy means, this is a great one, uh, stories that come from imagination that are... Not real, but, and if we talk about the genre of fantasy... Like What If World. Like What If World, yeah. What If World is very fantastic, as it were. That means, yeah, it's the world of imagination. If we talk about fantasy as a genre, then we're talking about stories of elves and unicorns and wizards, where (laughs) magic is important. There's a unicorn in What If World. Sure. I don't know that there are any unicorns in this story. I don't remember any, but the goblins are pretty magical and interesting. You know, this is one of the only stories I can think of. Rocky and Bullwinkle was one of my favorite cartoons, and they would do what were called Fractured Fairy Tales, where they'd make fun of fairy tales. This is one of the only stories I can think of that was weird enough that they basically didn't change anything when they did uh, a Fractured Fairy Tale. You'll see why especially when we get to the goblins and their only weakness. Okay. okay. Ha, da, da. They had strength equal to their cunning. In the process of time, they had got a king and a government of their own, whose chief business, beyond their own simple affairs, was to devise trouble for their neighbors. It will now be pretty evident why the little princess had never seen the sky at night. They were much too afraid of the goblins to let her out of the house then, even in company with ever so many attendants. And they had good reason, as we shall see by and by.